Welcome to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. This is Corinne Motokaitis, and you can call me Corinne. And I created the space for all of us back in 2006, a place where people can share their authentic backstage truth behind their struggles and their success. And when we realize we all have struggles, it is easier for us to keep going and be relentless in our pursuits instead of giving up on ourselves. Today, Anna Vicino is returning as a guest co-host and we're circling back to her weight loss journey. And if you remember, Anna is the co-host of The Ingress Trainer with Vinnie Tortorich, as well as an actor and a cookbook writer. And you can find her delicious gluten-free recipes in the link in the show notes. Today's conversation, I circle back with Anna and you may recall her story. She was diagnosed with celiac, and one of the reasons I wanted her to come onto the show was just to share with you that when she did go gluten-free, she actually gained weight. And this was just her story that I wanted to share. And we talked about NSNG, which is Vinnie Tortorich's No Sugars, No Grains, and she talks about it in our conversation today. And then that later led her to go and work with a hormone specialist, and and then they did some elimination stuff. So where is she now? Because in December, she was uh, recommended to go on some massive eliminations. And when we talked about it at the beginning of 2015, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, what are you going to eat? So we're circling back and she's sharing you where she is. And I think this conversation is really important because as we say so often in this conversation that she and I have, it's so easy to get into compare and despair and say, oh, but this worked for somebody. And look, look at these pictures. They look like this and here's the after. And then we beat ourselves up because why aren't we transforming as fast? So Anna is here to talk about her three-year-long transformation process. Thanks for listening, and I'll circle back afterwards. Enjoy. Anna, hello and welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) Finally. We're a bit giggly at the top, aren't we? We are giggly at the top. So before we go into today's show topic about unconditional love, I want to talk to you. I want to circle back and check in with where you are at because many months ago you talked about going and seeing, I believe, a naturopath and doing some yeah, eliminations. Functional, yeah, functional mm-hmm. medicine doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, or you know, I'll, I think a naturopath and a functional med- I'm sure there's some distinct difference that I don't know about and I'm, I'm insulting everybody out there listening who knows the difference. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, it's the same. Whatever. Um, uh, yeah, I've been working with the functional medicine doc as well as the hormone doc and uh, to try to figure out what's good. Because at first I thought it was a female hormone imbalance that was preventing me from losing weight, even though I was extremely low carb. And then I went extremely low carb slash low calorie and just nothing would budge. And um, and then I did the low carb, low calorie thing for so long that it kind of trashed, I, we think that it trashed my thyroid hormone levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and also then when I started reintroducing carbohydrates back in, meaning I wasn't going to stay in dietary ketosis any longer. I wanted to just be fat adapted. There's a kind of like this, this window where you're not running on sugar, you're fat adapted, but you're not in deep, dark ketosis where you're peeing purple on the stick. You low carbers out there will understand what I'm saying. Um, so, uh, you know, my, I was having blood sugar spikes when I would eat 
things again, eat carbohydrates again. And it was like, you know, I don't want to, we want to find a happy medium. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I did wind up going to an endocrinologist as well. So we're just adding all these doctors into the mix um, and started a, I think it's nature throid is what it's called. Uh, You know, the bare minimum of it. But I gained about eight pounds in two weeks, which is not, that's not what you want to happen. Um, So it, but I've got to stay on it. It's been now like I think 12 weeks. So now I just did, had blood drawn on a couple of days ago and then we'll see what's going on and how to adjust the levels. But it's really interesting, this whole figuring out the balance of stuff. So right now I'm just eating cleanly. And I, I know that phrase is such a like stupid buzz phrase, but eating cleanly for me means meat, vegetables, fruit, not a ton of fruit, but I love berries and I love apples and peaches. Um, you know, I'm just eating that and taking a lot of, uh, supplementation that's specific for my body that I need. I did a, something called a Nutra eval, mm-hmm. which you can do. I think Genova diagnostics does it. And, um, you can basically through blood and urine, see what your body is deficient in, which vitamins, which mm-hmm. minerals, which amino acids. And because of the celiac, there's a malabsorption issue in the gut. Um, So I could supplement all day long and perhaps my gut doesn't want to absorb it. So I, you know, that's why I'm trying to eat very cleanly and not do anything that's going to inflame anything for a little while. And what about alcohol? Um, I don't really have too much alcohol these days. I'll be honest. I had a half a glass of Sauvignon Blanc a couple weeks ago and I didn't like it. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. It it made me lose my focus, and you know I you know I like to drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a fan, but it's it, I didn't like it. Interesting. Yeah. So maybe cloudy, and I, and I was in a really good mood, so I was like, yeah, this is a perfect time to have a glass of wine. And I was just like, oh, I'm sleepy. I want to go to bed. Well, so the little backstory for the listeners out there is that when we were getting on to talk, I, I did want to circle back and check in with you off the air. And and I said, hey, maybe we should talk about this on there. And you're like, well, I still haven't found the answers. And I and I said, well, if you're really comfortable talking I about am. this. I'm always comfortable being open and authentic about what's going on. But if people are like, okay, well, then what's that? What's that brass ring? Did she find it yet? Because I'd like to know what it is. And and I am always wanting to be honest and authentic about what I'm going through because sometimes as women, some people will find that thing and they'll just lose the weight and it's great. And for me, it's like I've been down to this last 15 to 20 pounds and haven't been able to get through that. And uh, in the in the process of that, uncovering a bunch of messed up health things that I'm glad I did because imagine if I had just gone, you know, maybe an extra 10 years, maybe something more serious would have developed. So that's why I'm open and honest about it because I know there are other women out there who are like, I'm doing everything right. Why am I not having these results that seems like everybody else is having? Mm -hmm. Well, and that's why I wanted to share this is that, you know, this, because we see those pictures, right? Or here was my journey, or I found this diet, or I found this, and then look at what happened. And it just seems so easy. And then what so many other people do is they look at that. And then when they're going through their struggles, they go, oh, well, see, it's not meant for me. I, I, or they, they define themselves as it's not possible for me. I can't lose the weight instead of, you know, how am I feeling? When, you know, and that's my question, I guess, next for you is, okay, eating this diet, eating, you know, and I don't like that word clean because that can be a trigger. I know it really is not. It's not the best. 
but I understand what you're talking about. It's, I'm basically, I'm just making sure I'm not getting any accidental gluten, any dairy, any eggs, or any sesame, which I know as after blood work, those are the, tri- those are the triggers for my inflammation. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I eat so many eggs. That'd be hard for me. But, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. but here's, here's the beautiful thing in this is that, you know, and I talk about this a lot on the show is that there's many different ways, right? And this is your journey. And sure. so, but, and I understand what you talk about clean eating, but when you're eating this way, how do you feel? I feel great. So is it a struggle? happy. Is it a struggle for you or do you feel deprived? I mean, do you feel deprived? No. Why is that? Um, and, and that's probably the hardest thing to hear when somebody has not been eating that way, but they really want to, they hear it and they go, okay, I think I'm ready to make those changes. Um, but but you have to keep in mind that I'm on year three of this transformation of my diet. And I will say it's taken three years to get to this point. Mm-hmm. Now, and and I haven't had gluten since 2002. So that had its own host of like grieving to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, and it's just a natural response because food is so much a part of our society. Obviously, food's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And we, that's how we celebrate. Mm-hmm. So, but it's also how we medicate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, um, I, when I first was doing this, I realized I needed for my own habits, I needed to go pretty strict for like 60 days in order to instill the new habit. Because what I'll do is if I don't do it for a longer period of time, I'll need to, I'll, 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 I'll slip you know, and then I'll slip the next time really quickly and I'll slip again, slip again, slip again. And then all of a sudden I'm back to my old way of eating and I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So I have to be like, set myself up with some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, other people don't need to do that. People can, it's like people who can just like quit smoking cold turkey and they're just like, oh, whatever. I can't even believe I smoked that long. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And then other people have to have the patch and the thing. And, you know, it's, it all depends on what you need mm-hmm. for you. But the emotional component of the way that we eat is now so much more minimized than it used to be. To have to be able to not have an emotional reaction, a temper tantrum, or feeling sorry for myself, or being angry. Because I, when the lady told me, in, the functional medicine doc told me in <laughs> December that I couldn't have dairy or eggs or sesame, I, I mean, hot tears started streaming down my face, and I had the impulse to strangle her neck. I'm not kidding. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I have been so strict about my food. Now you're going to tell me I can't have dairy and eggs? What? Mm-hmm. I was so mad. And then I was like, okay. And then it took a little while and made some peace with it. And now I don't miss it. Yeah, when you accept it instead of the drama in your head about, oh my gosh, I can't have it. And but when the other thing is, like with the the glass of whatever it was that you had, the fancy words, um, and Sauvignon tr- Blanc. Yes, thank you. So fancy. <laughs> <laughs> my eleven dollar bottle of wine. But you make it sound so much more. (laughs) It's Sauvignon Blanc, darling. From the Marlborough County of New Zealand, by the way, they make the best Sauvignon Blancs. Let me just give a plug to the the New Zealand winemakers. But it it should say on the bottle, Marlborough County, New Zealand. That's the best Sauvignon Blanc. And they're not too expensive, as you were. (laughs) So did it not tasting so good because you have, you know, quote, been eating clean? No, it tasted good. Okay. Let's be clear about that. Oh, it didn't make you feel good. It didn't make me feel good. It made me lose my focus, and I don't like that and you, anymore. And you're really sharp now, aren't you? Yes. And I'm not being sarcastic about that. 
I, 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 no, I agree. That's a good way to put it. My focus is sharp right now. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's one of the things that happens is that when you start to feel really good, and I know in my in my own life, at, when I feel really good, there's I'm way more protective of keeping that feeling good because you like I remember I didn't notice. You know, I used to have yeah. food hangovers all the time and I didn't notice. No, you don't notice. And and you just I just thought, well, this is just how you feel. And I would be drinking another Diet Pepsi to try to give myself energy. Yep. But now I have this incredible energy and I'm very conscientious and deliberate about yeah. what I want to put in my body because a lot of times when I'm making a food choice, it's, well, how do I want to feel afterwards? Mm-hmm. Right? Well, that's true. And it's so funny. Um, two things. When at one time years ago, I watched an interview with Reese Witherspoon, and this is before any of the celiac diagnosis or anything like that. So I was super thin. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I would waffle between a two and a four, and um, a four was when I was like, Ugh, really let it go, and um, so I had a different frame of reference then. And I watched this interview with Reese Witherspoon, and she was talking about what she eats, and she was just like, it was easy for her to go. I just wouldn't eat that. I remember her saying, like, people say, like, what about junk food or McDonald's or whatever? And she was like, I just wouldn't eat it. I just don't want to eat that. And I was like, how can you not want to eat that? How can you not? But but I was able to eat whatever I wanted to be thin because, hello, <laughs> there was a celiac thing happening and I wasn't digesting any of it. Um, so it was, but I remember her thinking, saying that, and I was like, how can somebody be just that cold about food? But is it really being cold about food or just not stuck in like the drama, right? Or the stories? You're, you're right. You're right. I thought it was, how can, not, how can anybody not have an emotional connection? Mm-hmm. It's, it, to me, I was like, she's, she's cold and can't celebrate. That's what I thought. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is not true, obviously. Well, because I call it having a party in your mouth. Yeah. Right. And then that creating like that for me, when I used to get fulfill my emotional needs with food, it was, look, food is guaranteed. It can make me happy. That was the belief that I had. So I'd have this party in the mouth. Like it was a very transactional relationship. I'm not feeling good or I'm feeling these crappy feelings. I want to distract myself, mm-hmm. eat that third bowl of ice cream because it is guaranteed to numb me. Right. Or have this party in my mouth. And, you know, like just the idea, the excitement of, oh, I'm going to have this and it's going to be so great and all that. So now my focus is somewhere else instead of on my emotional pain. It was very transactional. Well, and here's the other thing it's kind of like, well, think about with alcohol too. I mean, obviously, food is different because you do, you have to eat every day. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't have to drink every day, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I would hope. Um, But, sometimes you want to have that glass of wine if you're going to a party or a get together and you're just kind of nervous and you just want to kind of, you know, grease the wheels a little bit, make the conversation easier and get things going. Um, Wait, wait, wait. Time out. Yeah. You get nervous about going to a party and having conversations? Completely. Really? All the time. Oh my gosh. That just makes me feel so much better. That's why last year when I went to those Emmy parties with Minnie Driver, I was, when I was doing a hundred days of no drinking... I was like, because it brings up this feeling, who am I to be at these Emmy parties? What do I, I don't deserve to be here. I would want to have a drink so that I could like ease that fear, ease that discomfort 
so that then I would be able to talk to people. And what I found is that if you don't drink and you kind of get over that first, like when you get to the party, that first 15 minutes, you want to have a cocktail and you don't have one, eventually you will get up to speed. It just happens more organically. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You do get into party mode. And the same thing with the food thing. If you, if you are not ravenous, this is the thing. If you're not ravenously hungry, if you're able to like just have some chicken and some vegetables and like, you know what I mean? Do the sensible things. You find that you just get up to speed and you're still having a fun time at the party and you don't need the food and alcohol to get you there mm-hmm. because it's a party. You're there to go see other people. Mm-hmm. That's really what you're doing at a party. I mean, it, it's all, I don't know. I'm losing my, my thing. I don't want to say like, don't ever eat or drink at a party. <laughs> that's stupid. Like, that's, um, And when I have a party, I cook like crazy for people because I want people to eat. Mm-hmm. They well, just don't know that it's gluten-free and it probably doesn't have dairy in it either. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yummy. But it's yummy. But, you know, and that's the thing is like, as we can learn how to be with our emotions, then it's about having the glass of wine or having something because it tastes delicious, not because we're trying to distract ourselves from our, emo- our own emotions yes. or to give ourselves courage. Mm-hmm. Grease those wheels, honey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So like for me, food, like I remember in college because I, all of a sudden I was taking a drugs and society classes. I wanted a, a two unit, like easy class one season, one quarter mm-hmm. when I was in training. And, um, the, the professor who's actually been a mentor and a good friend of mine for the last 20 some years, but he was going through stuff and I was like, oh my gosh, some of the signs of alcoholism were, th- were part of my drinking behaviors. I had blackouts and stuff and, you know, being mm. a swimmer, it's like, you know, do everything in excess, right? So mm-hmm. of course I would do that. Um, the one day a week I would drink, but so I stopped drinking and I finally, and it, for me just stop drinking really wasn't an issue. I mean, I drank partly because it was the greasing the wheels, like, oh, I'm way more fun Right to be around if I drink than if I'm just sitting here, <laughs> right? right? And who'd want to talk to me? But then all of a sudden I I lose all those inhibitions, and so I stop. I decided to stop drinking, and I remember having this conversation with him, and I said, "Well, if I'm gonna like expend calories, because back then it was all about calories in, calories out, and fat right. grams, I was like, I would rather eat ice cream <laughs> than have alcohol." And for me, that was my party in my mouth, right? And and so for a long time, it was like, okay, stopping drinking was not an issue. I didn't feel a deprivation. It was a little uncomfortable at first, but then I started realizing everybody else is getting so drunk that they didn't realize. So it's just those first moments that it would be uncomfortable. But then once I got through it, like I got to watch everybody. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is how I used to be. <laughs> right. So it gave me a lot of reasons not to do it anymore. Yeah. But, but then I just transferred the party in my mouth and the discomfort of feelings into food. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, and then you realize that like, until you deal with those, um, feelings, those feelings, then, then everything kind of just starts to even out. Yeah. And when you can realize like, okay, you can feel all these feelings, but it's not going to take you down or that we all, you know, feel shame and, and that's okay. Or I just love it now that I found that that Anna Vocino gets nervous when she goes to parties. I'm like, really? (laughs) So it's that common humanity piece. It's like, okay, sure. there's not something just wrong with me. Like if Anna, who can just <laughs> sit here and talk to anybody, gets nervous, it's like, okay, that that means I'm normal instead of thinking I'm not normal or there's something right. wrong with me. Right. 
So yeah, so I think when going back to the clean eating and stuff or like the Reese Witherspoon thing, it's it's not about being cold. It's just no. when you understand that food is fuel and how do you want no, your body it, to feel? It means she's extremely emotionally well balanced. Well, well, I don't know. <laughs> well, at least on that topic. On that I don't food. know her. I don't know her at all. But it, you know what I mean? She's obviously doing something right. Yeah. And um and so when I when I but so that was me wiping my crap onto her going, oh, she's really cold and Mm -hmm. unemotional, Mm -hmm. you know. And and so now when you eat, is there drama around food? No. Isn't that freeing? It's very freeing. It's so amazing. It's very freeing. (laughs) Well, you know, I was talking to some clients this week and I was explaining to them, like, when you take an action, like, so... We just went on this 4,000-mile road trip up to Vancouver in the Canadian Rockies. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. And then we went down to Big Sky, Montana, where we go every year, and and then to Salt Lake City and then back home. And so throughout my trip, and, you know, granted, we were up in outside of Seattle and then Vancouver, I was really looking forward to some of the fish and the salmon. And and so I've been, like, kind of on the salmon hunt mm-hmm. all the way through. And even in Big Sky, it's salmon. And when we came back... We took my father-in-law to a restaurant in Davis, and it's my favorite little uh, cafe. And they have this, right now I'm into their salad that they have. It's a salmon salad. And it was so yummy. And I was like, how hilarious. 4,037 miles later, and my favorite salmon is in my hometown. Yay! I can't tell you how much a salmon salad has gotten me through tough times. (laughs) It's so yummy. It's so satisfying, and it's like... When you feel like you're missing, like when I was like having to work through the, oh, I really am just Jones. One is a creamy dressing. Is that so much to ask? <laughs> you know, salmon salad. Like I love salmon. It, it it's gotten me through some things. It's it was so yummy and delicious, and I was so satisfied afterwards. You know, just everything. It just tasted good, and I felt really good afterwards. And I was explaining to a client that when I ate that, I was really rooted in compassion. And it was just like, oh, this, and I was excited, you know, like, here's something I'm going to eat. I'm hungry. I want to eat it. And it feels really good. Now that same action could be rooted in shame or scarcity where it was like the voice of, oh, you have to do this to be good. You must eat this, not that on the menu. Right. So the, on the outside, it looks the same, but what's underneath it was a totally different situation. Like, cause if I had eaten that being rooted in shame or scarcity of, well, you know, you've just been on a 4,000 mile road trip, you should eat clean or whatever. And it's not like I didn't really eat my normal way, but I could have walked in with that mindset and then I would have eaten the salmon salad. And then I probably would have gone over to the dessert bar and gotten some other stuff. Right. Because I would have been so into that, right? It's like, here's how I look. Let me put this presentation. Probably not. And the old me would have not done the dessert bar in front of people, but then would have come home and, you know, eaten something because I deserved it because, you know, I sacrificed by eating that salmon salad. (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's all a bank, basically. It becomes like a, a mental food bank. A calorie, it used to be calorie bank, but then it just be, kind of becomes good and bad bank. Mm-hmm. You get you get negative credits and positive, positive credits and negative debits and yeah. Yeah. It's all stupid. Yeah. But when you <laughs> but can just, okay. but when you can eat food without all that drama, then it's just, you eat a salad, it's a salmon salad and it's yummy and it's delicious. And it's not like I feel deprived and my tummy's full and I feel really yeah. great. That's why I always used to say, Years ago, I love being busy because then I don't think about food. Mm-hmm. Um, not realizing that, I, so I had to be busy in my work in order to emotionally distract myself 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In order mm-hmm. to not have things tied up in food, I just needed to hurry up and eat so that I could get to the next thing that I needed to get done. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, well, then you're like creating all this work for yourself. You know, if you could just figure out what that is, what is the thing you're trying to avoid about food by working so hard? Well, because there's so much emotion tied into it. So what was so it then? Th- what were you trying to avoid? Well, I, thinking about food. Wanting to wanting to soothe whatever emotion that day by like, oh, I can't wait for lunch. I'm going to have this thing and do the thing and, and soothe, soothe, soothe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And have you learned how to soothe without food? Yeah. And how do you soothe now without food? Um... um meditation uh-huh. right I, you know i do the getting up early and writing in the book uh-huh. writing you know you appreciation doing- running in the morning mm-hmm. soothing it to me just means i need to figure out how to feel better so if there's something that's getting me out of sorts i need to address that mm-hmm. because food is not the best way to get that no it's just a way to, to resist solve it. it yeah it's just a way, yeah, you're just prolonging it. I remember when I first started feeling my feelings. It was so freaky. <laughs> <I bet. laughs> it was so freaky. Well, you know, as an, so I, I'm half Asian. So in, in my, my, I remember my mom telling me once, um, you know, it was always about just suck it up, right? Suck it up. Right. But, uh, and then being an athlete, again, suck it up and disconnect mm-hmm. from the body. And so I remember when right. I started feeling my emotions and like really allowing myself to feel it, my skin was so tingly up and down my entire body. And I was like, holy moly, it, it was totally <laughs> scared me. I was like, is this what feeling your emotions is? I'm like, I don't know if I like it. But I just became so much more aware of things. And, yeah. um, and then realizing that, you know, now I can feel all these different emotions and the bad ones too and being like, oh, okay. Right now I'm feeling this, right? Like right now I'm feeling sadness or I'm feeling fear or I'm feeling shame. And, you know, I tend to allow myself to feel shame because, or talk about shame a lot um, just because of the work that I do. I'm like, oh, this is, and then then it's like, what is the message that this feeling's trying to tell me? Right. Versus, you know, when I used to go, oh, here's a third bowl of ice cream, go do this. Because I was right. feeling uncomfortable and I didn't want to dig through because I thought if I did, then maybe I'll be forever sad. Well, I know that's the scary thing when you actually feel your emotions. You think you're going to feel that shame, sadness, anger, jealousy, mm-hmm. rage <laughs> thing for forever. But really, nothing. it never lasts more than 10 minutes if you actually feel it. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't ever last more than like three minutes if you actually feel it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't last that long. It's just when we keep telling ourselves the stories over and over. And so, you know. Yeah, exactly. When you're sitting there on, on, with that tape loop in your head. Mm-hmm. But, but usually if you have the tape loop in your head and you're feeling it, then you're eventually trying to do something to squelch it. So you're not actually feeling it anymore. You're just putting it somewhere. You're just stuffing it somewhere. But if you're actually like, sit there and feel that grief mm-hmm. or feel that sorrow, I guarantee you, you do, you do the ugly cry, heavy sob, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For maybe three to four minutes and then it would just start to lighten up. Mm-hmm. 
Because no one, I don't think you have the energy. How does anybody do that? That's like doing a sprint. It's very taxing to sob crying. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting. I'm going to invent a new workout tape. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's weep to get thin. <laughs> all right, girls. Just think of all those negative thoughts, right? Really hate on yourself. Go there. Go deep. Okay. Good job, everyone. We're really shredding those abs. <laughs> <laughs> They'll put it on Fit Fitbit, and then you can measure your caloric uh, oh, output. Oh, you can you can like make friends with your Fitbit friends, and you'll be like, "Did you weep today? <laughs> yeah, I did. Good job. Yeah, I burned like seven thousand calories <laughs> weeping about the boy who dumped me in fifth grade. So, still a lot of shame there. Whatever." But you're right with, with, with our feelings and stuff. I mean, when, when we can actually feel them, we can move through them. And um, there's, 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 kinda, there's peaks and valleys. Like there'll be that, you know, deep pain. Yeah. And then it may kind of, it, it may be hazy over for a while, but it's not as sharp. You know, and then a lot of it's just what what do we keep telling ourselves? What do we keep telling ourselves? And sometimes we have to work through the rumble of it, right? It's that there's this processing because there's a whole bunch of different stories that are going on inside of our head at that time, and so we're get we're worked up and we've got to work through them. But realizing, you know, one of the things that I talk to my clients a lot about it's being comfortable with the uncomfortable, and how important that is. Yeah, it is important, and it's tough to do. I'm still not the greatest at it. Yeah. And there's sometimes we don't want, you know, it's like sometimes it's like, like last night, I just didn't want to be uncomfortable. I was, it was the end of the day and I just wanted to be, I wanted to wrap things up and get myself to bed. Right. So at that point, I didn't want to be dealing with any problems of the day or anything. And I just became very conscious about that because I want, I'm also very protective about my sleep. I want to have good sleep. So I, I have some boundaries about, when I when I'm willing to hear certain parts of the day's news, mm-hmm. and when I'm in bed getting ready to get to sleep, that's not when you come and talk to me about all the problems. Right. Right. My capacity to hold that space uh, gets much less at that yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, is this one we can solve in five minutes? Nope. Okay, I'm out. But- yeah. But I do appreciate you sharing, you know, your journey and your three-year transformation because in this, you know, what I call us Googleizers, right? In this instantaneous fix world that we now live in. And it does feel like that because when you're looking for evidence, you know, and every it seems like everybody else went from a size 12 to a size 2. Mm-hmm. You know, great. Where's mine? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I'm, I, I, that's the reason why I'm open and honest about it is because I think if I'm going through it, I guarantee you there are other people going through it. And the nature of our podcast is, is, is such that I know that there are people who join our Facebook groups and then they kind of fall by the wayside. And I don't want people to fall by the wayside. I want them to know that they're not alone and not everybody's out there like, oh my God, it was like four months and I lost four dress sizes and now I'm cut and I look great and do CrossFit every five minutes. Like it's, you know what I mean? There are regular people out there who are struggling and there's a lot of different issues going on. 
And to clarify, when you're talking about the podcast, you're talking about the one that you do with Vinnie Tortorich. Yes. America's Angriest Trainer podcast. Yes. And then you guys have a, a, a group that you guys have on Facebook together. Exactly. And you're right, because I think the other thing that becomes really important is for people to become relentless instead of giving up on themselves or defining themselves, right? It's, it's about working through that struggle and saying, okay, there's just got to be a, a better way for me. And not giving up or, you know, totally going from one thing totally to something different, but really, you know, making tweaks and really testing out how does my body feel with this? Right. Right. Because I know when you just, when you went to the doctor and you decided, and, and the recommendation was sesame oil or sesame, sesame eggs and no dairy. Right. You and right. I were both, I was like, holy moly, what do you eat? Right. I mean, and that was just like oh, a so mind, mad. you know. <laughs> I was so mad. But now look at you. I mean, it's, what, nine months later? Yeah. I mean, and here's the thing. I don't know how it's going to turn out. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it means. Like, I'm still, and I think, honestly, the people, I'm working with people who are at the cutting edge of all this stuff. They, even the people at the cutting edge don't have all the answers yet. They are starting to figure out that women's bodies don't respond the same way as men's bodies to low carb stuff. They're starting to figure out that the hormonal component, component in women is much more important and until they start doing some studies. We don't really know. Mm -hmm. So it, right now it is an N equals one experiment. Me being the N. I'm my own experiment and everyone's got to do what they can do within their means as well. Here's the other thing. I have a good excuse to go hemorrhage cash on all this because I'm doing it in the interest of the podcast, in the interest of me writing my book. In the, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm doing that for a reason. Mm -hmm. Somebody else might not have the means or the inclination to want to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, and you have the financial means to do it too. Right. Right. And right. And for people on here that are listening and then can say, well, that's just not fair. Anna gets that, but I don't. The other side is you may not have the financial means, but there are things that you can do. I mean, it's just simply of like testing out like what foods, noticing, paying attention sure. to how your body feels with different foods, right? And and I'm, I mean, I've never been a big, big believer of this one size fits all or that no. this is the only way, of right? Of course not. Yeah, but I really agree. listening to your body. I mean, when I used to eat... I mean, this is, gosh, my kids were really little, like in preschool or not even in preschool. My father-in-law would bring home the sourdough baguette from uh, the farmer's market and mm -hmm. I would eat that and I'd have olive oil and I would go crashing down and yeah. then I would be grabbing that Diet Pepsi. You know, this is what, 15 years ago or mm -hmm. 13 years ago, grabbing the Diet Pepsi because I knew, like I wasn't aware enough to go, wait a second, this shouldn't be happening and I'm crashing, but I knew that it was going to happen and so I was already preparing by drinking the Diet Pepsi and just mm. thinking, oh, by two o'clock on a Saturday, I'm exhausted and that's okay. I look back at my entire schooling and how hard it was to pay attention, how sleepy I was all the time, how I, I had to go to the bathroom all the time, like all those classic celiac symptoms mm -hmm. that I had. And I just wish, I, I don't know, there's parts of me that's like, oh, I would have gotten way better grades. Mm -hmm. it, was hard, it was hard for me to focus. Mm -hmm. I was so tired all the time, not realizing, hello, your body does not like gluten. Yeah, that it doesn't have to be this way. Oh, I was going to say one thing about, uh, about there are some inexpensive options. And I don't know where everybody is with uh, health insurance and stuff, but I do know that a, a CBC is usually a complete blood count is what that stands for, is usually covered 
uh, buy insurance for your yearly physical and you can get your doctor to order you a CBC with full thyroid panels, um, like the full job that measures everything. And it's really, it's it'll be covered or at least partially covered by most insurances because they want you to have an annual physical. And that's a really good way of getting just a, a benchmark of seeing where you are. And so for instance, the first time I did a CBC, I had inflammation markers that were off the charts. Now, you can take copies of your CBC and you can go on the internet and you can start Googling, what does homocysteine mean? What does T3 and free T3? You can Google and start to learn what this stuff means. And you can see where where the rate, and usually your doctor will talk you through some of it. But if you have a really traditional doctor, maybe sometimes they might miss a marker that's important. So that's, you know, so that's why I say educate yourself. That's a, that's a, and then you can go try an experiment with food maybe do six months giving up sugars and grains or maybe dairy as well. If it's not something that you think, if you say, if you say you're lactose intolerant, I guarantee you there's more elements in dairy that are irritating you than just the lactose. So, you know, you know, if you have an issue, but you can like experiment. And then in one year, when it's time for your physical again, do another blood test. You're not going to hurt anything. You're not going to like spend a a ton of money to find this stuff out, but that stuff's at your disposal. And we live in a country where we can get a CBC pretty easily. Mm Mm-hmm. And even really simple, I mean, just a couple things that you can do that are no cost is one is sleep, right? Oh, gosh, Make, that's so true. Get get eight hours of sleep, work on that, practice that. And then the other is, you know, uh, if you don't, like if if listening to all this illumination stuff is too much, is just working on eating real foods. Yeah. Right? That's a simple step that you can do, like eating real foods instead of all this processed stuff. And then noticing like, okay, how does my body feel after a few weeks? Right. And, um, you know, and then going back and maybe sometimes circling back and tasting these other foods that you thought were so great. I mean, that part's been just fascinating is, you know, when I would not doing it perfectly or saying I'm not going to do it forever and I don't have celiac, but um, going back and I remember there was this one fast food, like I swore that they had the best French fries on the planet for years. Like Mm -hmm. I, you know, I could get rid of most other fast food places, but this one. And I swore. And then years ago, I was running this workshop and somebody had brought me the fries from there and we were doing this little, you know, tasting every bite thing. And they were kind of cold and they tasted like wax. And I was like, oh my gosh, like really? You, lo- were- <laughs> you lost your taste for them. Yeah. And it Interesting. was it was fascinating. And so when we went on our road trip to Montana, where we always go, you know, you always stop at McDonald's and stuff on the way yeah. to use the bathroom or to go get gas or whatever. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, am I going to want to have french fries and i absolutely did not want to i mean i have not eaten those french fries from the fast food place for many are they many ma- years are, are they mcdonald's french fries they is that are. what you're talking about yes just say mcdonald's french fries because <laughs> yes. you know everybody else out there is like yeah mcdonald's french fries those are like crazy good right yeah they I, but you're right they don't taste as good when you stop for a while and then you go back and taste and you're like oh yeah and it doesn't mean i don't eat french fries i just don't eat mcdonald's french fries anymore um, but I'm really, really particular if I'm going to eat French fries. So I, I think there's things that you can do and then you start to feel better. And that's been a big difference for me is being able to feel better and going, wow, I feel so good. I don't want to mess with this. Yeah. You don't you don't want to mess with it. Or I find that like if you mess with it, you don't notice it the first time as much. Sometimes you might. But but then if you keep doing it, you're like all of a sudden you're like oh I just feel like bleh. Mm-hmm. you know and you don't want to go back to that place when you've worked so hard to and by the way if you do lose it it's not that long to get back on track just start just start the very next thing 
to start the very next meal, the very next thing. So there's no sense in going, all right, well, I went off the rails. I guess I better eat like dog crap for a month. <laughs> like, you, don't have, <laughs> you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that thing. Cause, and frankly, eating this way, g- giving up most sugars and grains, you know, with the exception of when you were very specific about eating them, which I am always very specific. Like I went to this really great vegan bakery that's down in Hollywood and I love this place and I only save it for, like I went on Valentine's Day and got some stuff and I went recently and got some. So that's like every six months, basically. Mm -hmm. Very specific about I'm having a treat, you know? And also (laughs) it's so good. I can really have like four bites. I'm like, God, I can't take it anymore. What do you mean you can't take it anymore? It's just too much sweet and too much. It's just too rich. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially with the with the way it's funny because like no one said I can't have sugar, but people have said I can't have gluten or dairy or eggs. Okay, so if you're gonna go eat vegan sweets, I'm I know how to bake. I know how that stuff goes down. You're basically adding so much sugar into it to make up for the fact that you don't have eggs or butter or you know what I mean? Or gluten, you know, the wheat really helps. Um by the way, it's a vegan gluten-free bakery. Um so you have to add a lot of sugar in to kind of cover up the rest of the stuff. And so and I know this. I'm like, "Oh, this is so good." So you're basically just eating like sugar-laced, whatever the vegan ingredients are. It's just (laughs) sugar-laced. So that's why I'm like, you can't really eat that much. You'd be like, oh, God. Tummy ache. So with your no dairy, can you have butter? No, I can't. I don't. I mean, I'm sure I get some butter in some restaurant stuff, but, you know, I never have it at, at home. So what do you cook with? Milk buterophilin is the the one that I was kind of off the, the element of dairy that I was off the charts in. And that's a, a a milk protein that's still found in butter and ghee, mm-hmm. which always oh. slays me when the paleo people are like, oh, but you can have ghee. Mm-hmm. It's No, you can't. I mean, you can, but if, you are, if you're allergic like I am, you can't. So people will always be like, oh, no, because it takes the lactose out of it. It's like, well, lactose is the least of my worries. Um Milk buterophilin is in it, so I just avoid it completely. So uh, here's a question I have for you. Mm Because I know your mom had um, a history, you know, you have a family history of celiacs because your mom had it. And that's how you found out. But uh, so with all these different, with this food allergy that you have, is that correct? It's called a food allergy? Uh, It really, it's called a cross-contaminant and it it incites the immune response. So not just gluten makes me have that celiac response, that immune system response and it's also the dairy and the eggs and the sesame. Now, what, are, have your doctors been able to figure out like why you have this? Is it genetics? Is it because, you know, prior to knowing that you had celiac? No, they don't know. They don't know. There are some theories that it, it's, you know, if you're genetically predisposed to it and then you have either a bad virus or a pregnancy or something that's really is tra- traumatic on the body. You could have a, a, an emotional trauma. They can't, they don't know though, for sure. This is just theories. They don't know. And then they're saying like with the little, little kids who are presenting very young, they're trying to figure out, well, is it because the mother introduced gluten before one year of age or after one year of age? Or You know what I mean? They, they don't know. Nobody mm-hmm. knows. They're trying to figure out, is it the gut microbiome being off? Do we take too many antibiotics? Or is it the quality of the wheat and the GMO stuff? Nobody knows. There's all sorts of theories going around. 
But they do know, they are finding out now that with more and more celiacs that it's not just uh, gluten that's causing the autoimmune response. And they're finding that out with other autoimmune diseases as well, like lupus and um, MS and things like that, that there are more kinds of food that incite those, uh, what are they called? Neurotransmitter degeneration, stuff like that. Okay. So generally, if you have celiac, you probably should get tested for other cross-contaminants. Okay. And then you made a comment at the top of the show about um, the low-carb, no-carb thing possibly messing up your thyroid. Can you say more about that? I don't quite understand. I always hesitate. I should have probably tempered that a little bit, but so thank you for clarifying. I, 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 don't, I don't know exactly other than the fact that sometimes uh, for super low-carb, which is what I was doing for about 14 months. And wait, wait. So let's put some definitions around that. What did that mean? What did that look between, like? Between 20 and 40 grams of carbohydrates a day. Okay. For those who like to measure, for those who've done Atkins, they'll know the induction period of Atkins is 20 grams of carbs a day. Mm -hmm. And how long did you, and you did that for how long? About 14 months. Okay. Thinking, uh, okay, well, I'm not losing the weight. I, I got down to like the last 10 pounds, but I'm not losing the weight the way everybody else did. I'm not shredding like everyone else is. So therefore I'm, if I go lower carb and lower calorie, I'm going to make it better. And I didn't, Mm -hmm. it didn't, it did not do the trick for me. Um, so, um, I'm going to have to find answers on that. Okay. Cause I don't know the answer to that. Okay. And why did you, um, so when you were down that low on carbs a day, how did you feel? I felt really great for a while mm-hmm. and then I crashed. What do you mean? I couldn't get my energy mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Um, I, re- I grew a really big ovarian cyst, Ooh. which was my first indication that something wasn't right. The hormones were off. And how did you know you had an ovarian cyst? Uh, I wound up in the hospital with uh, abdominal pain. I didn't know why. I'd never had an ovarian cyst that, that hurt and it didn't, it wasn't bursting. We were trying to, we still don't know. Uh-huh. They're thinking perhaps I was ovulating through it. <laughs> uh-huh. That we, they don't know what it, it's, and it's still there. I've been, they've been telling me to take it out, <laughs> but I'm like, eh, I don't know. There's so many, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And what is your carb load up to now? I don't measure anymore. Mm-hmm. This is another really gorgeous, wonderful thing that's happened. First, I had to get over counting calories in that paradigm. Mm-hmm. Then I was counting calories and counting carbohydrates. <laughs> so messed up. Then I was counting just carbohydrates. I, stopped, I finally got over the calorie counting thing. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, when I realized I had to start introducing more carbohydrates in, in the form of generally like sweet potatoes and every now and then white rice. I'm not like a huge, you know... I'm not a huge grain eater. Mm-hmm. Um, but you eat veggies and they have carbs. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Oh, and by the way, there are, there are folks like Chris Kresser. I know Dave Asprey talks about this, but Chris Kresser especially, who's a, is he a holistic naturopath, something like that? Like an, uh, yeah. What is he? He's like an acupuncturist, I think, but he oh. does a lot of writing. He does a lot of writing and research and he has a very good informative podcast. It's, he's very dry. 
So just be warned. It's not like going to be a, a it's laugh not like riot. listening to Anna. It's not a laugh riot <laughs> podcast with Chris Cresser. It is the information podcast with Chris Cresser. But thank God he's out there because I really like the information he gives. But um, he he talks about that, about how now they're, if the folks at the cutting edge of this are figuring out even green veg, leafy green vegetables that we count as part of our carb count don't really boost your blood sugar because there's so much fiber in them. So like, like the 20 grams of carbs were including like spinach and blueberries and you know what I mean? But really I could have been eating, probably eating more carbs because those greens don't really count anymore. Oh. Unless you're sprinkling sugar over them. Mmm, <laughs> sugar kale. So before we go... Yeah, um, I know. We didn't get to unconditional love, did we'll we? We'll do that next time. Okay. Yes. Good. So those of you listening, we're going to talk about unconditional love next yeah, time. Yeah, we are. But uh, one of the things is that how do you, like being on this journey, and it's been up and down and stuff, how do you wrap your brain around it, your mindset, where that you're not willing to give up? Well, there's some things that I have given up. Such as? And this has been very recently, the struggle. Um, The struggle to find, what is that? I used to be really upset. What is the thing? And I think where I gave it up was after 12 weeks ago when I started the thyroid medication, I put on some weight and I was like, you know what? There is right now for me, no one thing. There's no golden egg or brass ring or whatever the phrase is. There's no linchpin that all of a sudden I'm going to pull out and then the cogs are working again. This has been a whole work in progress with a whole bunch of different steps, a whole bunch of layers of understanding. And um, why don't we give up some struggle? And that's helped a lot. And why don't we try to do maybe the one thing that we haven't done so well, which is loving where you are. There's something to try. Mm-hmm. Um, I always make the joke about if I wrote the diet book, hate yourself in, <laughs> I'd be a billionaire. <laughs> Because that's all, all this stuff like preys on all of us wanting to hate ourselves thin. And it, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I've tried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't work. So anytime you're coming at that plate, that, coming at it from that place of like, oh, I just, I hate myself. I wish that I was skinnier. Mm-hmm. Guess what? You just mentally gained five pounds. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, there's, a, there's that kind of giving up of the struggle. Mm-hmm. There's also... There's also an element of, and this is going to get into woo-woo territory, but um, I, ha- I had a healer tell me recently, your body, and the healer didn't know that I had the celiac and my mom had the celiac and said, you know, your body wants to give up celiac because now that your mom is not in the physical anymore, you don't need to have that connection with her. And so... That gets into like, I don't even know if that's physically possible, mm-hmm. but what it opens up in me is go, is going, okay, why don't we stop the struggle surrounding the celiac? Just let things breathe a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just let your body do what it's naturally designed to do. You're doing everything right. Let's stop the self-abuse of going, why am I, why am I not healing? Why am I still having this response? Why am I not a size two? Why am I not? You know what I mean? So what that opened up in me was that, uh, you know what? Let's just relax. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. 
Well, thank you for sharing this where you are right now, because what originally, just to give backstory for those who may not have heard that show, one time, one of the original reasons I wanted you to be on was usually you hear people going gluten-free and then losing weight. And when you went gluten-free, you gained weight, right? And I was like, this is that we want to share this because these are the truths of the weight loss journey, right? These are the truths of, and and so often, again, like we've mentioned so many times in today's show, is that we get into that compare and despair because we are like, well, this just happened. They went, they went paleo where they did this, they did that, and, you know, and they're ripped. Why isn't it happening to me? And then right. people give up on themselves and then say, right. well, screw it. I'm just going to eat bonbons and these bag of Doritos because it's not possible. And, and, and we are the instant, you know, the instant gratification culture. If it doesn't, if it's not instant weight loss or seven pounds in seven days or whatever, you know, enticing offer it is, then we get upset. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, don't get upset. Yeah. Keep with it. Keep figuring it out. It's worth it. Yep. Well, thank you, Anna. Thank you, darling. Been fun. We'll be talking again. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. I so appreciate Anna's uh, authenticity and her, her sharing her journey with all of us. And the fact that it's not done and it's been taking three years. The one things that I want to, a few things that I want to talk about is when you drop the drama with your food, you have no choice but to be with yourself. And that means being with all that is great about you and also allowing for your flaws to surface, which can be really scary because we try so hard to run from our flaws or our past and we don't want to be defined by them. But as you know, what you resist persists, right? For a long time, I was able to distract myself with food, as I mentioned in the show. And it was a great distraction and my choice of numbing. Besides, who was I really hurting? Or at least that's what I would tell myself. Nobody, I thought. But that's what I was lying to myself about. Because honestly, I was hurting myself and those around me who I loved. And you ask, how can emotional eater affect others? Because emotional eating was a huge shame trigger for me. You know, I would, yeah, I would use it to disconnect from my emotions with food. But those emotions didn't go away. Instead, they stayed buried deep inside of me. And that really meant trouble for those who loved me. Because it was only a matter of time before I would blow. And then there was the shame of overeating. And this compounded my pain that I already had. Because the voice in the back of my head grew louder with, see, you really aren't not good enough. You don't have any self-control. You're not disciplined. You really can't have what you want. What would other people think if they knew? I was hurting myself and those I really loved. And that was my truth. For me, dropping the drama with food meant that I had to be with myself and my emotions. And it meant that I had to feel my pain as well as my joy. And yes, that pain can be uncomfortable. But I also know that I'm capable of being comfortable with the uncomfortable. I don't make comfort uncomforted mean that there's something wrong with me. Instead, I feel my discomfort. I feel my feelings. I sit with them. And I feel. Then I ask myself what the feeling is trying to tell me. And sometimes I have to give it space to let it percolate out of me. I practice patience with myself 
And trust me, that is not always easy because I do like transactional relationships. That's how I came up with this idea of transactional relationships because I like them. I want to know if I did this, then I get this. Makes it simple. It's productive and efficient. But it's also the very thing that gets in my way. And I want what I want right now. But my brain isn't interested in this. So space, I remind myself, space. And then over time, I process these stories that I'm believing that are causing me these uncomfortable feelings. And they are usually the stories I'm making up inside of my head. So that is my process of feeling feelings that I go through in becoming more comfortable with the uncomfortable instead of running from them and why I had to get really clear about what I do. I also love what Anna said about this journey teaching her to give up struggle. She could hold on to it or let it go. And instead, she's choosing to love herself where she is right now. So I invite you, how about you join us with being comfortable with the uncomfortable and loving yourself where you are right now? Practice this. As a result, your life will start to change. One of the ways that you and I can connect is by joining my newsletter. Join our community at howshereallydoesit.com and sign up for my weekly newsletter. And you never know. You may email me a question that one of the listeners did a couple weeks ago, and it may be answered in the newsletter. So join us. A special thanks to Anna for sharing her three-year transformation in where she is right now without solid answers. And finally, a shout out to FarmMD125 for taking the time to leave an iTunes review. Thank you so much. It really helps the show. Until next time, I'm smiling big for you. Early morning, fog is lifting. She's in a rowboat on a lake. She is dreaming. She is drifting. Never been so wild.